Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Greg Giannotti, Brian Jones. Gio and Jones across the country on CBS Sports Radio. And joining us right now is Jason Lockhart for NFL Insider for CBS Sports. You can also watch him on the NFL today on CBS and read some of his stuff on CBSSports.com. He's also part of that Pick 6 podcast. He's him, everywhere. Him and just about everybody else. Yeah. Jason, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, doing very doing well. well. And we were talking about one of your tweets this morning. And I actually want to play Pete. I actually want to play this. I should have told you this. Give me the, the Big Ben cut. Uh, I want to play this for, for Jason, and then we'll, we'll uh, talk about it afterwards. Let's hear Ben after the game. I want to fix Spike. It was, I, was, I was yelling clock it because um, I felt like that was the, the thing to do was clock it and get yourself one play. Um, and it came from the sideline, don't clock it, don't clock it. Well, at that time, I'm already got, got – everyone thinks it's clock, so you don't have time to try and get everyone lined up. So it's um, – you know, I tried to – Eli saw that, you know, he kind of ran a quick slant in there, and uh, at that time you just got to try and make a play, and if I didn't make a good enough throw. So, and then after the game, you tweeted that it was it was his decision. He had two options, and one of them was fake spike, and he decided to go that way. So, is what he's, he's saying about the sideline and getting that directive from the sideline, is that not true? I heard with 17 seconds he had two plays, and he could obviously do either play or something, excuse me, something else could unfold. Um, but I, to my understanding, one of those plays wasn't, you know, Fake spike, look up, think you've got Eli force ball, you know, interception. <laughs> I, I, I do not believe that was play call. Oh, now, is... when you say you had the two options, was one of them to spike the ball? I, I don't know specifics, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Specific. He had two plays called. So plays. Two plays called. All right, two plays called. So I would assume if there are two plays called that one of them wouldn't be to spike the ball. Yeah, I mean, you it's it's third down, right? Mm-hmm. You're out of timeouts. Yep. It's called into you at 17 seconds. Um, you're going. You're you're a quarterback, and you're. How many years is this for him? Uh, 2004 is when he came to the league. Right. So, clocking it is always an option. I mean, there's you know what I mean. Like I. I I don't know that – look, he likes to street ball. He thought he saw something. He threw the ball in there. I don't know that – I mean – Then he blamed every, the sideline. Everybody line. makes mistakes. Right. Things happen in the heat of battle. Um, but, I, I uh, again, I, I – sometimes you just need to say, I thought I saw something in Right, yeah. And I, you know what I mean? I try to make a play. There's no excuse, and you're right. I said the same thing earlier. Here's a guy, a Super Bowl champion, and a guy that's been in the league for a long, long time. You don't expect him to make that decision in that moment. And he had a brain, you know what, and 
and, and so you have what you have. The bigger question, Antonio Brown, uh, they're saying he, he should be back for the playoffs. What are you hearing? I mean, they don't know. Um, you know, that they're, they're hopeful that this is a manageable injury, and, and that's the expectation right now. Um, but we'll have to see. Obviously, they'd love to get a first-round bye, and that makes the time frame a little more um, amenable for them and, and a little more manageable. Uh, he's obviously not playing in the regular season. Uh, they don't expect, you know, these final two games. Um, obviously not playing against Houston this week. They don't expect him to play against the Browns, and then they'll have to see where he is after that. And, you know, if they again, if they get another week, then the odds are even, you know, even better. But he just suffered the injury. They want to do some more tests today. They want to, uh, you know, obviously see how he responds to rest and rehab. But, it, it you know, it, it, the good news is it's not something where, you know, he tore something off the bone and, you know, you know what I mean? You know he's shelved for, for a long period of time. It's a manageable injury, but people I talked to there said they, they couldn't give an exact timetable yet. Do you think that the Jesse James reversal was handled correctly? That's the rule. I don't like the rule. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like the way that that is all written. I don't like the way that we've gone so far beyond the eye test now that it's, it's, you know, it comes down to the, the most minute, slowed down, uh, you know, replay and then what happens at the very, very end and whether he still has it. And, you know, but as, when we saw the replay and we're sitting there in the studio, it's obviously a huge game and everybody's fired up and we got, their, you know, our camera guys and, and everybody's watching intently and, you know, Coach Cower and Boomer and everybody. And, you know, at first, everybody was sort of like, well, you know, they're just going to review it and, it's 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 obviously it's obviously a touchdown. You know, at first it's like, well, did he break the plane and all that stuff? Was he down first? But then, as you saw the full review, and when you you see him switch his hands and the ball kind of lose control and the ball touched the ground, there was a good portion of people in the studio who were like, there's, "That's it. There's no way they're going to call that a catch." Like, mm-hmm. you know, based on on you know Calvin Johnson and and all these succession of plays we've seen over the last you know five years or so. That is the letter of the law of the rule, and that's how it's most often applied. And so in that moment, there was a group of us who were like, that. no, he switched his hands, he lost control, it touched the ground, he didn't have it all the way, all the way, all the way to the ground. That's, that's going to be um, not a catch. And that's how it was applied. I mean, should it be applied? I think that's a different argument. The competition committee, you know, c- can always take that back up, but... You know, you saw Blandino and Pereira and some of those other guys. You know what I mean? Like, there was some, you know, uniformity that that's just not a catch. Uh, is there a rule, speaking of rules, is there a rule against officials using props to assess whether it's that, a first I, down dude, or not a first down? I, I, that was a new one for me, man. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I kind of thought you'd use maybe your hand or something. You know what I mean? I feel like at some point I may have felt someone bring their like hand straight down, like at a ninety degree angle, to try to determine that. But I, I give up. I don't. I don't. I mean, is that part of the official uniform? That was going to be like an NFL grade because it's got to be a certain thickness, probably, right? Like that card. Are we sure that was a certified NFL card? Yeah. I mean, if that's from Rite Aid and not CVS, it might be the wrong <laughs> card. I, I don't know. I don't know where we are anymore. I. I mean. Between that and I, I've hated for years to fumble through the end zone. I, I don't understand that one. Like, you know what I mean? Anywhere else on the field, if you fumble that ball and it goes 
three inches in the other direction and it's outside the pylon, you know, then you get it at the one-inch line. But because it goes through the end zone, you completely lose possession. You know, you lose possession, you lose yardage. I don't – I've never understood that rule. And it just seems that all of a sudden, every other game, in a key moment, it's being, you know, enacted. Yeah, I want to go back to Sterator for a second. I mean, didn't it look, though, that there was some space in between? I have no idea. I mean, I can't, I can't vouch for that entire scene. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, like, was, was – I was never certain that the marker itself was ever tilted at the angle it's supposed to be in. I don't know where the card came from. You know what I mean? Do they, like, foreign terrain to me, do they, are they supposed to carry that card? Did he just happen to have it? Like, did he then bring it down exactly correctly? And then I couldn't tell if it touched <laughs> anything or not. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've got a lot of questions. Gio and Jones <laughs> with Jason Lockhart and Fora across the country on CBS Sports Radio. All right, moving on from that and the story of Marvin Lewis, who will not be the Bengals head coach after the end of this 2017 season, and Hugh Jackson's name coming up. The Browns have made a big spectacle about making sure that Hugh Jackson is going to remain there, and we got rid of Sashi Brown and brought in Dorsey, and Dorsey loves Hugh Jackson, and they kept Hugh Jackson there. So, I mean, what's going to happen now if the Bengals want Hugh Jackson? Well, I don't know that Dorsey loves Hugh Jackson. I, I don't know about that part. Well, he um, did. I mean, he, at least he said it publicly. I mean, I don't know how he feels behind the scenes, but he did say yeah. he really endorsed him uh, highly publicly. Well, at first, I, you know, that, that was sort of one of the prerequisites to getting the job, right, was the owner wants to keep the coach. So if you want this job, you got to come in and, and keep the coach. Now, for how long remains to be seen. 0-16 is a unique stink. Um, not many people have worn that before, and – uh, surviving that seems um, difficult at best. Um, you know the bank, the rumors about Hugh returning to Cincinnati—that that's nothing new. We've been hearing that since August. Marvin not being there next year is nothing new either. He did not get a contract extension in August. This was very much a do-or-die season for him, and and they have died much more than they have done there in Cincinnati, and they've been particularly dead since halftime of that Pittsburgh game three weeks ago. So he wasn't going to, whatever, however, you know, whatever the genesis of that story is, Marvin Lewis wasn't going to be coaching that team. Anyway, um, look, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if the Browns just let Hugh go. I don't think Hugh is absolutely positively the guy for the Bengals. I think Paul Gunther, their defensive coordinator, would certainly be someone they consider. But I, I do agree with the notion that Mike Brown – probably isn't going to do the most sweeping head coaching search in the world. Probably isn't going to be exhaustive in bringing in guys who are going to want 8 to $10 million a year. They're not going in that direction. And generally, there are people who have some ties to that organization, you know, who he goes back to. Um, yeah, so I, I don't believe that it's a lock that Hugh Jackson is back in Cleveland. And if he's not in Cleveland, um, Cincinnati would be his only option in terms of a head coaching possibility. But even then, I, I don't know that that's a slam dunk. Jason, uh, have you been able to gauge how this Jerry Richardson news is reverberating amongst the owners? The time frame is is um, it's, it's really unprecedented. Uh, people just were starting to, to get a chance to digest the specifics that were in the very detailed uh, SI.com report. And then within hours of that coming out, um, while games were still being played, he, you know, Jerry comes out and says, I'm selling now. After reading that SI report and knowing that he's 81 years old, he, he's been in in um, 
you know, different degrees of health in recent years, but not always great. And knowing that he'd already taken his family out of his will, out of um, his secession plan, and he already had determined, you know, with investment bankers and others that he was going to sell that team upon his passing, and it was going to go to the highest bidder, and that was going to be that. Knowing all those factors plus the investigation, I figured that by the spring meeting, he'd be under a tremendous pressure to sell that team, and that there was a good chance somebody else would be owning the, the Panthers by October of next year. But I didn't think he would necessarily make that announcement so quickly. Um, it shows you how tone deaf and how the, the culture there, for me, is problematic. Because their original answer to all this was, we're just going to do it ourselves. You know what I mean? We're just going to hire a law firm. You know, Jerry's going to stay in the owner's box. Jerry's going to stay in his his big office in the building, and we're going to investigate ourselves while he's in place as the active owner still. And we went from that, right, to once some of the specific of the allegations got out, the league taking it over, and then hours after that, he's selling the team, you know? But Friday afternoon, not much to see here. We got a law firm. You know, we're going to sort it out. We can get better. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs is going to buy the Panthers, right, Jason? Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I can tell you this. I think that team is going to go for in the range of $2.5 billion. I think that's, that from what I'm, what I'm gathering, wow. um, that that's going to be a record setting transaction for the NFL. So maybe that's where Mike Frances is going. Godspeed. <laughs> I think he's made that much money in his career. Well, and it's a good franchise. I mean, you got a great, uh, fan base and, and, and and you you only have to deal with one other professional team, and and that's the the, the Hornets there. So uh, I think it's an excellent uh, buy, and I I could definitely see it garnering that type of uh, uh, investment. Yeah, I mean the stadium is is it just had more upgrades done to it, and you're yeah. not inheriting um, any kind of real debt there. Uh, good strong corporate community, a lot of banking, um, mm-hmm. you know, Bank of America, a lot of other huge banks located down there. To your point, a strong fan base, a successful product on the field, for the most part. And and look, there's this will happen quickly because because of of Jerry's health and and et cetera and age, there have been numerous people who are some already in the league as minority owners with other franchises, and then you know other CEOs of of huge corporations, um, you know guys who founded huge corporations who've been interested in getting in the NFL who have been eyeing that up for a while. And, and, you know, no one knew when that would turn um, for health reasons or otherwise. So people have done a lot of due diligence already there, and they have a sense of, you know, market value and and what it's going to take to get in that dance. So I I do think that, you know, by the spring meeting at the end of March, we'll probably have a good idea of who the, the sort of finalists are, the major players are. And by the October meeting, I think that new owner could already be, you know, sort of voted in by the others and, and sort of sworn in and, and take over day-to-day operations of that franchise. Gio and Jones or Jason Lacanfora, did Todd Bowles save his job this year because the expectations were so low and they were highly competitive even in losses? Yeah, I mean, they, they are pleased with a lot of things that happened there. Now, winning on the road has remained an issue and some some sort of late-game situations and, and – you know, knowing how to put teams away, being a little better with that. 
Nobody there. Some of that stuff, um, you know, isn't isn't quite ideal. But I mean, yeah, they've punched above their weight class for the most part. Um, things fell apart in Denver when they lost their quarterback. But I, you know, I, I think as long as they hang in there the last few weeks, that's not a team that's you know desperate to make a coaching change at a time when you know upwards of a third of the league, frankly, is. Any idea what Ezekiel Elliott's been up to during his suspension? Of course, he's welcome back into that facility uh, this morning. I know there were reports he was over in Europe. Maybe he was hanging out with Andrew Luck, who was over in Europe as well. But uh, any inkling what he was up I to? I heard he'd spent a lot of time in Cabo, that he had trainers and fitness people and, you know, sort of uh, a nucleus of staff down him around, around him down there. Um, I know he's been talking to some other athletes, taking counsel from some other athletes, uh, you know, some of whom who've been down there. I think he spent some time with Eric Dickerson, um, a few other running backs. Um, maybe I, someone who knows him told me maybe even Tiger Woods as well. Um, you know, he's going to come back this week. He's going to address, um, I'm sure he'll do an interview or two, maybe even one with a morning show or something like that where, where he will address these issues and his past and whatever happened in Columbus during the nights in question for probably the last time. And then he's going to, you know, play football for two weeks and try to get his team in the playoffs. Um, it, it's been quite a saga. And, and you know, the, 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 the real key for him now will just be how he conducts himself from here on out because, you know, he's hit that six-game barrier. And if – if the league continues to apply their policies by the letter of the law, then, you know, it says a second offense in the same genre, you know, in this same, you know, domestic violence part of the, of the personal conduct policy could mean your, your, you know, your, your, your career's over. You're, you're barred from the league for, for life. So that's where he is. And, and that needs to be something that he's cognizant of really at all times. Jason, thanks for the time. As always, we appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Enjoy your last few shows there, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Woof to your dog who just said goodbye to us. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.